it's okay. We can do are we this. on Twitch still? <laughs> we are on we are on Twitch, and I <laughs> don't know if I can download that. Let's. <laughs> I have to record on on Zoom, but also have to start on the Twitch thing to do that. So it's it's a lot. I am. <laughs> when I started working for a living ten years ago, I wondered what was going to make me go bankrupt first: my own mistakes <laughs> or other people's. <laughs> and it turns out it's the Russell Town. Yeah, no, it's it will be my mistakes uh, as always. Uh, just to because I just I hope that this maybe this does. Do you know if Zoom records from the start of the meeting or no? It probably doesn't. Uh, if you one, ask it to, yeah, I can hit record if you'd like. No, I, I hit record. It's fine. Um, Is we're gonna, it? Well, we're gonna figure it out, guys. Listen, I don't have that much money. <laughs> it doesn't affect the cut. Co- the quality of the show. I That's don't the most think. important thing. <laughs> it was a world on Twitch. We talked for a little while. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it from the start. Uh, basically, <laughs> if you're just tuning in on the Villains at WTF version of the show, uh, the bootleg cut, if, if you will, uh, depending on things, <laughs> we're talking yeah. WWE main event because... Uh, Ali and Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Ali and Ricochet had a match. We're just talking about how how dumb the writing is on WWE, which is not yeah. stuff you could you could tune into any any episode of the Wrestle Down and hear about that. So it you didn't miss much. You're really selling this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get to other things, but it's a main event. What do you want? You know, here's when we normally have the show. We're live <laughs> this time. You don't have to watch. Hey, man. You know, it's it's whatever. Ah. Uh. <laughs> So much money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you didn't say how much you would pay people, so you know, yep. you gave yourself an out, kind of. Uh, you know, you. Uh, Thanks, you know, man. Me. Who's actively costing me money? <laughs> yeah. Well, you owe me ten thousand dollars. <laughs> You're not my dad. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah, W main event. Uh, yep. We it started with a match with between Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair. Uh, solid match. Uh, quick. You know the the thing that struck me other than the commentary uh not uh breaking away from the con- the uh the logic of the writing on raw uh the crowd's real fucking quiet yeah which is notable just because the cr- or the crowds are piped in yep that is weird I mean, it, I think it's always been true that every show from heat to velocity to experience every summarizing show gets the least amount of production love. Yeah. So it would make it would be no surprise if I, I would assume Kevin Dunn's not at the wheel for this, but whoever the head producer is while these shows happen and are taped, they don't lie. No one's watching anyway. Yeah. yeah. Still, it's just like you would think that it's probably the same team because they record these ahead of Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. So you Which think honestly. That- it, it makes the interesting point of just like, so visually and production wise, you could make these wildly different shows. Like NXT, it looks more like Raw and SmackDown now than it did, but it used to look nothing like them. Yeah. So you can make main event, 205 Live, whichever programs that aren't Raw and SmackDown be their own thing so that if somebody does happen to tune into them, you could be like, oh, this is the same main through lines in terms of like the, the big titles and the main feuds, but like visually, this is so much different. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a weird thing that stuck out to me because, like, if you could, like, why wouldn't you just make it sound like WrestleMania? Like, you yep. know, for even if it's a match between people who aren't really doing much of note right now. I mean, I know Liv Morgan's challenge for the women's tag titles, but we'll see right. how that turns out. Or I'll yeah. see how that turns out. Um, yep. Yeah, so then, the, and then there was a lot of 
like recaps. You know, I got to see the uh, streak fight that they had on SmackDown uh, that you talked about last week. Yep. Uh, on the rest of look, if Roman Reigns and Jey Uso doing good stuff. I'm sold on Clash of Champions, man. I think I'm going to watch it um, when I get a chance. Not good. tonight, but when I get a chance. Yeah. Every WWE pay-per-view, like, I'm, I'm always sour on the WWE because of their politics, but yeah. every WWE pay-per-view, which is staffed by independent performers who always do their best with what they're given, and the best ones usually make something even more out of what they're told not to do. Yep. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso is going to be a great match. Yeah, or it will be a five-second squash. You never know. It's a roll of the dice. So it, I think that that's absolutely a possibility. Yeah, but I'm, I'm half that, joking, but like, yeah, you know, it's always like I said, possible. Right, and I mean, the agents might get involved and say that this this is what they're going to do because it's also Clash of Champions. It's not a main temple pay per view. We're not at the the only time of year when Raw and SmackDown go to head to head. Yeah. So they could easily run a rematch um, in three weeks, four weeks, whenever, anything between now and Survivor Series between the two of them. So it could yeah. be a squash, but they're really putting a lot of effort and time into um, Jey Uso specifically. He was on WWE Talk, whatever the fuck that show is, the Caleb Braxton hosts. Um, and he had his son on and he was super charming. Mm-hmm. And the host asked Jey Uso's son, who do you think is going to win, Roman Reigns or your dad? And his son went pale and was just like, uh, <laughs> uh, and Jay so you see him lift his kid up and go, <laughs> 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 and he just was like, yeah, I did that. He knew what the answer was. He didn't give the right answer. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if the kid was like going around his school being like, my dad's going to be the next WWE champion. And then his, he, he had to be like, mm, I, I'm sorry. You can't like do that. You can't like promise to bring in the, the universal title for show and tell. Uh, because it will not be mine. <laughs> what, if, what if he, and, and like the ages are impossible to play, play along. What if he went to school with Paul Heyman's kids and the two of them pass each other in the hallway and they just start fucking going at it? <laughs> oh, that would, they would have to film that and put it on probably the YouTube channel. That, that's the next fight in Raw Underground. <laughs> uh, Shane McMahon says, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Jey Uso, son. Oh, yeah, you get that double leg. You finish. Next week, the next week on the wrestling up, we're like, they really got those kids over. Those right? kids, I'm, I'm ready to watch those kids fight. I, I, keep, I care about more of them than Rey Mysterio's kids. <laughs> Just tragic how Braun Strowman killed both of them. <laughs> and he tag partnered with one of them for a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But hey, Riddick Moss still sucks. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, main event. Uh, so the reason we tuned in at the first place was for uh, Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. I'm yep. wearing my Ali shirt right now because it was the top shirt in my drawer. So <laughs> you can still say nice things. <laughs> I could, but I choose not to. Jesus. I act nice. I don't say nice things though. Does anyone remember when we said that Russelltown was celebrating the positives in wrestling? I am celebrating the positives. It wasn't. You remember to put on a shirt? Yeah, it was good. Hey, listen, I wouldn't have bought a shirt if I didn't like the guy. Uh, well, I didn't. So, bam, gun show. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a very good match. It definitely. It feels like they're telling a story, like yeah. sequentially, like match to match, which is weird because no one's watching. But, yeah. like, you know, good for them. They're, like, telling a story where Ali's getting frustrated that he can't beat Ricochet. Yeah. What I, the reason specifically for, to the two of us that I wanted to talk about this is that you are the only person I know 
literally in all of my wrestling friend community who kept up with 205 Live when it was literally the <laughs> Mustafa Ali Buddy Murphy show. Yep. So you appreciate and understand just good wrestling for good wrestling's sake. So I wanted to kind of get your take of, yeah, it is strange that they're telling a, piece, a piecemeal week-by-week sequential story, but do you think this could be as good? As good as what? Ali Murphy, as good oh. as Ali Ricochet. Oh, um, I mean, it could be. I think, like, the fact that they're both kind of flippy guys is kind of, like, it, it puts them on even ground, and it feels like it's, a, it's an uneasy friendship kind of story, which is interesting, but also I'm not sure where the payoff is, which is the problem with 205 Live as well, yeah. uh, because you, they just don't have these big events where you can be like, oh, now is the final fight. It's just like, and this week, oh, we're having a street fight, and that is the end of that feud. Next week, oh, everybody shuffles their chairs, and the 205 Live roster has new feuds. But, like, yep. I don't know where main event goes or if this, like, eventually spills out into the main roster. If it goes into the main roster, I absolutely think that it could be as good, and it could actually help Ali because he's the one with the emotional arc. Yep. Because he's, like, the one losing multiple times in a row, getting frustrated. Uh, it's interesting that part of the feud is that Cedric Alexander was friends with Rick Shea and has joined the Hurt Business. Yep. Uh, uh, MVP's faction. So there's, in some ways, there's something going on with Rick Shea, but also not. He's kind of like a passive thing that these other characters are doing things around, uh, which is interesting, but not necessarily something that I would tune into all the time, especially if it's just like Ali and Ricochet telling their own story in between recaps of Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I think that they're, they're both similar stylistically in terms of being flippy guys, like you said. But I think that what Ali's been doing a specific job of showcasing in his matches specifically on main event is that he's a submission wrestler on top of being a flippy guy. True, yeah. And Ricochet, which I messaged you about like how crazy it is that we live in a world as Lucha Underground fans where they have Prince Puma, King Cuerno, Johnny Mundo, all of these guys, and most of them are doing nothing. Yeah. And so we have literally Prince Puma being Prince Puma on main event because that's the only place he can do it, where he's a flippy guy, but he's also a sneakily very powerful guy who can just power up vertical suplexes from people who are flat on their back. Yep. So you got the power game on top of the flippy stuff with Ricochet. You have the technical submission ability of Ali on the other side. One guy wears purple, one guy wears red usually. Like visually, they're very different, even though there's similarities. And I, I love what they can do together. Same. Yeah, it's, it's just like because the story is kind of this weird thing that they seem to be doing on their own. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not must-see but it, because it's just this thing that happens in between recaps. But it is very good for what it is, and I'm you know happy that they're doing it. I'm happy that they're doing stuff. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning. Like sometimes people like, excuse me, shit about what's going on on main event. Yep. Uh, because it's just like wrestlers wrestling for the sake of wrestling. But uh, Ali was gonna quit wrestling before he signed with WWE. So on some level, it's like this kind of like a you know not a bad situation for him to be in. You know, like it's not he could be great. You put him in NXT for a year he's the face of that company or yeah. that, that brand uh you know in a year but right um for a guy who would have quit if WWE didn't like notice him at the right exact right time yep you know main events not bad you know he gets no. 
he gets a paycheck, gets to live his dream in front of the Thunderdome, uh, <laughs> what would have been audiences, but also the Thunderdome. And then, yeah. like, you know, he can, if he has to retire, or he decides to quit at some point when his contract runs out, he can either keep going wrestling or, like, go back to being a cop or whatever he wants to do. It's, it's not a bad situation for him, though. You do kind of wish that he had more creatively and, like, fame-wise. Yeah. He seems like a sweet dude. I wish the world for him. And if you follow him on Instagram, which I do, uh, more than half of his posts are about motivational speaking, normalizing being a Muslim in America, how much he loves his daughter. He's a full-formed human being. And I think that's part of why he's on main event is that Vince McMahon doesn't understand him. (laughs) 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 We're going to name you Bric-a-Bracca. No, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, main event to you, brother. Um, his Titantron is just like breakout and like his whole story is that he's the paddle. Get him, break <laughs> Oh God. You know, the, another funny thing I, I noticed from like watching main event for the first time in forever. Um, you hope you watch the opening credits for main events and it's main eventers. It's like Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair. It's all these people. And it's like a bunch of wrestlers who are never going to be on this show. Right. Not live. I was shocked when they were like, we have uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso in a, in a Samoan street fight against Baron Corbin and Sheamus. And I was like, oh, wow, that's surprising. Uh, and then it was like, oh, it's just a recap from the previous SmackDown. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not actually, it's not even, not even half the match. It was just like the ending of the match, which yeah, I mean, disappointing. The, the WWE flip-flops all the time in terms of what they want their different programs to be. I want to say memory and, and I'm, and I beg anybody who I'm probably going to be paying money to correct me on this of just like when main event launched, I think the, the sell that they had was that John Cena was fighting Sheamus for the WWE title and that the undertaker was going to be on it because they wanted eyes on it. It was part of their recent re-up with NBC universal. So that if you watched random ass cable networks on the weekend, you could watch main event. I remember that's how I used to watch it like 10 years ago, I think is when, it was around WrestleMania, whatever the Cena Sheamus program was, so 26. Yeah. Um, so we're going on like 10 years that this program's been around, and that's how I used to watch it before streaming media replaced how people did a point view it. So it hasn't changed in terms of the program. If anything, like you said, the people who get advertised in like the signatures aren't there usually, yeah. and it's a recap of everything else that they deem important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, main event, it, I'm not going to recommend it necessarily, but if you're bored and you want to see Ricochet and Asafa League, it's, it's good. It's just not like, I can't feel like that was amazing. You know, it's not when the, I when like the G1 is happening. I mean, that's true. If you're going to compare that to something that the company's putting its full weight behind, then yeah. yeah. Everything like even the, even like a, a, your average SmackDown currently is pretty good compared to that but it is like it's good to know that some good wrestlers are getting like ring reps uh, in during uh um you know this whole not having not being on actual tv generally yeah i mean humberto carrillo lives there now and he was part of the mix with angel garza and andrade who are now not being used because they're mexican because i hate bruce pritchard and i hate vince mcmahon <laughs> but that's where he is now. Like you said, Cedric Alexander is part of the Hurt business, so he gets to keep his job on TV. And the, the Thunder rolls. In the dome. Uh, dome, dome, dome. 
Speaking of happenings in the dome, uh, we got names for retribution now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the they're the faction that came in, and they were hell bent on destroying the company by swinging chainsaws around and flickering the lights a bunch at inopportune times. Uh, I feel like beat up security guards and such. It seemed ill planned. Yeah, but it's it was like their take on Antifa, and it is dumb as yeah. Uh, but boy, howdy, do we have some glorious names? Do you want to uh, say who are the members of Retribution while I bring up their uh, reveal video? I was gonna say let's do a speed round of I name a name, you name a name. If you want to do that, uh, what do you mean by name a name? Like there's five members of them, so we just go rapid fire back and forth. I say one name, you say a second name, third name, fourth name. I don't actually remember more than two of them right now. I fucking figured. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the problem. Yeah. So like, but they have stupid names. Um, Donovan Jijak, who's been doing God's work in NXT, is now T-Bar. Yeah. Um, Dio Madden is now Mace. Shane Thorne is now um, Slapjack, I think. Yep, he's um, Slapjack. He has the hockey mask that looks like it's made out of either paper plates or plate. yeah, paper yep. plates or putty. Depending on the view. Yeah. Oh god. I the thing is like and and it's medium and Mercedes Martinez. Medium, I think, is retribution. No, that's the name of the group. Yes. She's fucking yes. Like, she, the both the women are re something. And I don't they're, remember. And they're long, stupid names that yeah. I feel bad for commentators are gonna have to like either shorten or say the full thing during their matches because they're yeah. just really bad. I during but, main events, uh, at some point Brian uh almost or yeah, someone on the commentary, I can't remember who, actually, uh, Byron, actually, said, uh, oops, that is the end of that video. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need soccer in my thingy. Let's just rewind a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's only a two-minute clip. Uh, <laughs> they, they called the Riot Squad the Wyatt Squad. And I yep. just, uh, I all these retribution names are really going to be hard to, you know, stomach. Yeah. Uh, they all look like they just, Went to, they got the knockoff Bane costumes, yeah. Like ten years too late, yeah. Just like off of eBay, like thirty-five cents for a mask, yeah. Cool. So one thing that it, it this it's tangential, but I promise relates back to the main point is, um, if you follow Impact Wrestling on Instagram, they put up one clean seven-minute video that summarizes Impact. If you didn't get the chance to watch the full show. Yep. And I love Smiley Kylie Ray. I love what they're doing with Sue Young, where she's Susie right now. Mm-hmm. They're opposite Deanna Perrazzo, and I forget who the fourth person in the tag match was that I saw. But is, it, uh, is it um, Kimberly? Yes. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's Kimberly, uh-huh. Kimberly's eating the pins. Um, but the point is, where wrestling really shines, especially in smaller companies, is when they just put an emphasis on the action and like logical storytelling, where it really falls apart and where the WWE can cover for it is when they ask them to act in close frame. Yeah. Because Kylie Ray is very talented, but she's a terrible fucking actress because all of them are. They're all stunt people. And then you put a camera on them and tell them to be uh, emotive, CM Punk, depth level, emo- like people who speak with both complexity and remember all their motivations when their storylines are constantly being rewritten. Yeah. So with retribution, it's these people who are incredible physical talents. Mercedes Martinez is an indie legend. Dio Madden has a silver tongue and they put a mask on him. Donovan Dijakovic is the logical analog to Keith Lee and they put a stupid fucking helmet on him. 
Shane Thorne is the best thing that came out of TM61 or the Mighty because Mikey yeah. Nichols sucks. And yeah, he's not done his, his uh, carrier's weight solo for sure. Right. So, it, but he ran with everything he was given. He got punked by Johnny Gargano. He showed up on Raw because everybody got sick. Like Shane Thorne has done the absolute best he can with what, what he's been given. And they put a fucking paper plate on his face. Yep. Mia Yim is another indie legend turned like, like progressive politics spokeswoman and um, an incredible talent on her own. And they gave her a stupid Bane mask, like you said. So yep. initially hated the idea of it because it's funny you said they flickered the lights at inopportune times and ran in the introduction to them as antifa was that it looked like every nxt or indie type from like pwg physically put on a black shirt and a black mask and attacked them and it looked ridiculous yep and so from this mob of people that was impossibly numbered like it seemed like there were 40 people in retribution it's down to five. Yes. And they've tried to justify it in saying, well, we took contracts so that we can now use the money they're paying us to pay those other people to beat up security guards. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, I do love, uh, I think I've said this online before, but like it's as like a standup from my perspective, there's like a certain freedom if you're like bombing in the first like two minutes of a longer set. And you're like, oh, shit, I can just do whatever I want because the worst thing has already happened. I think that's what's happening with Retribution. Uh, Everyone is clowning on them for being a fucking dumb, like, idea and dumb and execution thing. So their Twitters have just suddenly got very, very fun. Uh, Specifically T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic. I will say this. uh, T-Bar, a shitty name, probably better than anything he's, any name he's had in WWE. Uh, Yeah. And it and we've come a long way from him showing up on NXT and randomly jobbing to Ricochet, which I can't believe that that was a throwaway match they had once upon a time. He yeah. just had a match with Ricochet that was excellent for the three minutes it got. But he went from his his indie name, which I, I now forget what it was, uh, to Dominic Dijak. Donovan Dijak. Yep. Yeah. So he went from Donovan Dijak, where he had an excellent Beyond Wrestling farewell match, which I'll, I'll pimp it at the end. But yep. um, Kimberly's last, last Beyond Wrestling match before she went to NXT was with against him and then with him because they did a follow-up match. But anyway, so he went from unproven commodity on the indie scene to feast your eyes Donovan Dijakovic to T-Bar. So to your point, shitty names. T-Bar probably is the shortest in now it's the best because, like you said, his Twitter buried Jericho when Jericho's doing God level work in AEW. And I'm just yeah. like, that's how you fucking do this. Yes, for people who didn't see, uh, he posted his explanation for why they would get WWE contracts, which is that it was cheaper for them to give them contracts than it would be to continue letting them beat up their security guards and mess up their production. Uh, which they already said they're going to keep doing. Like yeah. Retribution's been like, no, we're just going to use the contract money to keep doing that. Yeah, and Jericho said, huh, and retweeted it. And he said, huh, back, with a link to a bunch of articles about how the uh, Fozzie concert Sturgis. from a, yeah, Sturgis motorcycle rally with a Fozzie concert uh, caused like several thousand uh, new COVID cases. 256 so, Thousand new COVID cases rooting from the Sturgis rally, which Fozzie chose to play and Jericho is the front man of. It's mm-hmm. a perfect fucking retort to an asshole punching down. And the um the other names of the uh for Mia Yim and Mercedes Martinez are uh, <laughs> uh 
Well, I, I found them. Uh, one's reckoning, and uh, the other's retaliation. That's going to be super hard for the announcers. It seems like a rib on the announcers a little bit. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's absolutely a rib on the talent, which I'm so fucking tired of that being a part of WWE's like badge of honor of just purposely being shunted with bad gimmicks to see if they'll fail when you set them up to fail. Yep. You're yeah. doing it. Stop yeah. doing it. It's just a weird fit because like any of them, if they'd like stuck around in NXT would be like champions there. Yeah. And like, within six months. Uh, now they're just going to probably have a, a killer Survivor Series match. Uh, and then who knows what happens after that? I don't think there's a plan beyond that, but we'll see. Maybe they'll have a fun Royal Rumble where like 50 Retribution guys come in and just randomly toss everyone out of the Rumble. I don't know what's going to happen. There's like, there's a chance that we're going to have like 20 WWE superstars in the ring. Uh, maybe two or three retribution guys and then 50 extras dressed up in black, tossing everybody out until there's just retribution guys ready to win the Royal rumble. Who knows? Who knows? I want that to happen 28 times until Biggie <laughs> comes out. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. You want like somebody to beat them and eliminate more people than there are in the match, which right. would be fun. And then, yeah. And then Biggie can do Kofi mania next year because Jesus Christ, it should be Biggie. But anyway, you mentioned like flickering the lights and all that shit. Yeah. I want them to retcon Retribution's other ancillary members, the, the pencil neck geek ones, to be people who broke out of a Florida juvie so that it explains what they've been doing. <laughs> They're just mad at society, man. They're mad they didn't get those, those opportunities at WWE Junior that Paul Heyman's <laughs> kids and Jey Uso's kids got. <laughs> <laughs> Junior oh my Major. god! Between like Birdie Bella and Mike Mazanin's kid and Jay Uso's kid, like eventually they're going to be able to run like programming opposite of Dynamite. That's just the kids of the wrestlers. I mean, that's that's what we got right now with like so many second generation wrestlers hanging yeah. out, or at some point there were, but I think there are fewer right now immediately. Right, but you know, and I just yeah, and like. All the Brian Alvarez tweets and Dave Meltzer's and everyone else who makes it their job to be like, oh, the 100,000 more for AEW versus 100,000 less for NXT. AEW is still beating NXT, which, like, that's where we're at now. The WWE is so spread out and checked out that, like, Dynamite at its absolute best is and should be beating the shit out of NXT, which is a mess. Yeah. Um, Doesn't help that they just took five potential stars for NXT and put them on the main roster in Bane masks. one Jason Voorhees mask, uh, to be yeah. fair. Um, yeah, but I, I to, think they're, they're absolutely right that they should probably move that show to Tuesday nights. Yeah. And the thing is, just to circle back to the main point of why I, I would like us to talk about it more like we started to last week, is that if you take all of these talent out of the really poor writing, which Vice is saying is the reason people aren't tuning in and staying tuned in, and yeah. just pay attention to their social media, like Mustafa Ali being a family man, like T-Bar burying <laughs> the most important person in AEW with one word and one link. Yep. These are why they're world, like world-class level talent. That's it. Not the stupid shit they're forced to say and wear. The shit they can do. Oh, yeah. For sure. The stuff that they're... If they were just like a bunch of assholes on Twitter and then somehow transition from that to wrestling. I don't know how yeah. to do it, but it will probably come off better than uh, 
beating up the ring with a baseball bat and then jumping up and down like, we did it! We beat up an inanimate object. Fucking, the closest thing NXT ever had was Sammy Callahan, and they were just like, we don't know why you're a hacker. Just hit yeah. the LED board. <laughs> yeah. Whack, it's whack, weird. whack. This is like their third iteration of like grimy outsider group uh, in like five years or so. Uh, yeah, and you're... Like you had said it earlier, what happens with them? And I love your rumble idea. It's going to be sanity. Like yeah. they're going to have two guys that they just don't know what to do with, which is probably going to be Shane Thorne and Mace. And they're going to have uh, T Bar break out as like like Nikki Cross instead of like because Killian Dane's back in NXT. Eric Young's the fucking TNA champion now. Mm-hmm. He, like the world class maniac is now Impact World Champion. And Alexander Wolf is back in Europe. So, like, yeah, there's probably going to be one breakout because they can't help themselves. They have to cut the legs out of people to make one good one. Yeah. I, uh, I, I will say I do look forward to Mia Yim and uh, Mercedes Martinez as women's tag champions. Uh, yeah. But there's not much. That's, that's a pretty low ceiling. Uh, it, it's going to be pretty fun the, to see. Like, I'm glad that DiJack gets on the main roster. Yeah. At the same time that Keith Lee does. That's yeah. intentional and a very good thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things to not like, but you know what? I think that they'll overcome it or wind up bigger names in the indies and make a killing over there. We'll see. It, it's strange so much because of the, the, just, the tone and the tempo and the reality of life in America as a private citizen that it feels like if – People decided as wrestling fans, just specifically focusing on wrestling fans, if they decided to say, instead of watching Raw and SmackDown, divert all your attention to social media instead, so that if you want to know who T-Bar, Mace, Retribution, and all of them are, look at their Twitter, look at their Instagram, so that you don't have to rely on the piss-poor fucking Raw writing, Yeah, because that makes any sense. All of it contradicts itself. They're told to say very lazy, dumb things by old racist white dudes throw that out, pay attention to them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Name it. The, the way that's been approached has definitely resembled uh, Joe Biden claimed that he knew a gangster named Corn Pop or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're not black. Yes. Let, let's yeah. remind everybody of their racial duty to vote for him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's embarrassing, but also that's what you get. I feel like at some point Vince McMahon's going to die, and then like two years later, there's going to be a bunch of stories like, "Oh yeah, he had a hell of dementia." Like in the last like ten years. I mean, in in the wake of speaking out, there is still a story that like people on Twitter keep trying to keep in the public consciousness of there being a sexual one specific sexual assault case against Vince McMahon from a former female referee in the eighties, and it keeps dying down because people are afraid to oppose him. So once he's dead, yeah, let everything out. Yes. yes, we will see. Uh, yeah, that was our WWE roundup. Uh, yep. Let's see, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, Leo, let me just say, uh, TJPW, just briefly, uh, they put on a hell of a little show that, like, I think in the midst of the G1 and the um, Stardom 5-star, like, it's easy to miss, like, all the other Japanese companies that are doing things because uh, TJPW did their big tournament, like, months ago. Uh, yeah. But, hey, they put on a fun show with some great tag team. What the hell? My thing is still going. Live with your time, baby. Yeah, my my video on YouTube was still playing. Uh, I mean to. They make this so hard to see. Wait. 
school. Oh, is, is that uh, the magical girl, Mia Miyazaki? Yeah, uh, Yuka. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck? Why? We will get to New Japan after this. Yeah, and uh, Mizuki, um, who looks a lot like Riho, but is taller and uh, very well regarded. Not that Riho is not, but like, right. yeah, they they were in a tag match with uh, uh, Mizuki teamed with Maki Ito. And uh, Yuka Sakazaki uh, teamed with, um, what's her name? Uh, Shoko Nakajima, the big kaiju. Kaiju. Yes. A fantastic little tag match. Went to a, spoiler, 20-minute draw. But it's a fun fun event overall. Great uh, tag team defense going on. A lot of good comedy, as you would expect from TJPW. There's Maki saving her partner. Yay, Maki. Yeah. She's the queen of the simps. She is. And, oh, she has a great DDT. Nice. I bet she does. Yeah. That, yeah, like, Maki specifically, like... Dale, yeah. Yeah. Dope move. Yeah. Um, like, we, you and I have talked a lot about Maki Alfine, and in, like, the same social media circles that we swim in, there's a lot of Maki love, but... It reminds me a lot of Maurice, where Maurice was shunted into a position early as one of the first Divas champions and couldn't really do a lot in ring. But yeah. rather than set herself up to be at the mercy of people being like, oh, no, she's actually really bad, and it's going to become a running joke like Don Marie, she just got really fucking good at the DDT. Yep. So whenever you saw her wrestle, it would be like four or five minutes of like, oh, this is average. And then, boom, she would crack people with like a DDT, and it would be like, oh, yeah, no, that's why she's champion. Yeah. Yeah, Maki's great. She's like A plus plus on like character stuff and social media, and then yeah. like you know B plus uh, in the ring. Uh, I think TJPW is more character based, so like she has an enormous upside uh, for their perspective, and yeah. it's paying off. You can almost buy her as beating some of these like more experienced, better wrestlers, uh, just because she will slam her head into you, which I don't yeah. like. Like I don't like Ed butts in general. No. We know too much about concussions now, yep. but it's effective. She she seems to be having fun. I'm having fun. Uh, yeah, check out TJPW. That will be my recommendation at the end of the show. Headbutts, I'm starting to come around now on in the modern era because there are so many people. Like before he got fired, Jack Gallagher had a good one. Tony Storm's not problematic, so St- Tony Storm has a good one. There are safe ways to do headbutts. Like Ilya Dragunov's finishing move is a running fucking headbutt. Yeah. So there are absolutely ways to do it, and I think like specifically, it's coming to mind because you had sent Russell Friends a video about uh, Yuji Nagata coming in and beating the fucking Jesus out of Kenta. Yeah. That was a real one. But the thing is, you only need one real one ever in a match, and you're just and everyone's just like visually hooked. It's like, no, 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 this is a real fight now. And then the rest of the time, you can just forearm each other where you don't really follow through. You can slap somebody where, if you know, like, I've been doing martial arts for 25 years, so there are safe areas of the face, body that you can hit that will bruise, but it won't injure. Um, William Regal got praised for that back in the first season of Tough Enough because all the trainees would be like, he'll hit you very hard, but in safe places. Yeah. So yeah. Regal connect at the time, this would have been the years like the early two thousands had a reputation for being very well respected, but also he could have a hard hitting match with you where you could have another hard hitting match with him on a tour because he didn't injure you. He beat yeah. you up. Yeah. So as it relates to like headbutts and specifically that Kenta video, Nagata knew how to hurt Kenta yeah. and purposely hit him real fucking hard to give him the out to be like, I'm a heavyweight. You're a junior. You stepped out of line knock it off, 
Kenta kept firing back like, fuck you, I'm Kenta. And Nagata legitimately knocked him out with an open-handed slap, yeah. which is hard to do. Yes. Uh, yeah, I will say that um, when it comes to headbutts, I mean, you can hit someone in the face safely. Yeah. That's not how the brain works. Your brain's still rattling about in there, yeah. and that's not good at no. all. Especially like when it comes to like Makita, one of her um, her signatures is the Kakeshi headbutt yep. that uh, Hanma does, where she just stiffens up and goes sideways on, which is not good at all. It's not as good. As, it's not as bad as a diving headbutt, which yep. makes me nervous. No matter From who does great it. Great heights. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's still not not great. But no. also, you know, she's an adult, so I mean, whatever. Part of the reason why New Japan's LA Dojo is excellent in churning out great talent is that Katsuyori Shibata ended his own career by doing unsafe headbutts. I mean, yes. the match he had with Okada after he won the New Japan Cup is excellent, but it legitimately is terrifying to watch moments after the impact of it, the headbutt he gives to Okada. Blood trickles down his forehead because his brain is now exposed. Well, that was that was a signature move he did. Like yeah. He would regularly do the headbutt and get the blood going, not just in that one match. Uh, and and he did it too well. Yes, he broke yeah. his skull. Like, yeah. And so, again, it's why he's a trainer now and can have, like, memorable run-in moments against people like Kenta. Yeah. And it'll be something that um, is very memorable. But at the same time, it's not something that he can do over and over again. His career is over. Yeah, he, they're not going to clear him no matter what at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. GJPW, good so, shit. Uh, I mean, okay. yeah, headbutts... <laughs> headbutts um, in general, bad idea. Uh, headbutts for to, for a dramatic swell in a match, yeah. excellent. Yeah, I don't mind it when like Tony Storm does it because like she's just using the volume of her hair to mask that there's no contact, and she's slapping her thighs to get that sound. Uh, other times, it's just it's just when you have a bare head, like just slamming on a body part that I'm like, ugh, that's not great, especially if you're doing it at 200 yeah. matches a year. Plus, yeah. who knows how many times you do it. I don't know, during training or whatever they do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's in it? Do you want to do the G1 next? Uh, no, I wanted to talk about who I think is the only one true legend in professional wrestling because the term gets thrown around a lot. And okay. um, I had a moment where I lost my uh, glasses in my kayak and I thought, well, I could yell at this guy. The, or- the, moment, the moment is ongoing. <laughs> Correct. Thank you. <laughs> Eagle-eyed fans will notice. Yeah, I'm wearing sunglasses. Thank you, Yes, so they'll, they'll notice that uh, the screen reflecting on your glasses sometimes looks like a skull with eyes, eyeballs in the eye sockets, and it's yep. it's terrifying. Continue. Cool. <laughs> so I had an opportunity trapped in this kayak with my failure to either be mad at myself or to do some thinking about wrestling. So I decided... Um, my answer was solid until about 15 minutes before we started recording, and here's why. My answer was Andre the Giant. I think that Andre legitimately was the only wrestler ever, professionally, who became larger than the sport, who couldn't be beaten outside the ring, who became a celebrity because of his presence, more so than like his technical skills. His, none of his promos are memorable, but everything about how he said things and what he looked like sold him as a commodity he could have killed Hulkamania single-handedly at WrestleMania three by just choosing not to lose. Yeah. Andre was the reason as much as Vince McMahon and WrestleMania was important, even though Super Brawl and Star Starcade were also events that tried to make wrestling hit the mainstream. It was Andre who is largely responsible for wrestling 
hitting its peak in the 80s, not just busting into the mainstream. However, because of, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, because of the climate in America politically, the only wrestling legend that I feel will exist ever is The Rock. Yeah. Um, The biggest reason is I've never known a professional wrestler to endorse a presidential candidate at a critical point in the history of any country's existence to be able to tip scales in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, with their endorsement because he's a worldwide celebrity. He's a professional wrestling legend. He's a worldwide movie star. Yeah. He stands for progressive politics. He's a registered independent. He had just like any conversation you would expect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as career politicians to have with a celebrity yeah. as I like you. But the difference is his presence and his reputation could legitimately save thousands, if not millions of lives. And that transcends anything to do with the entertainment part of wrestling. Did I'm completely lost about all of that. Right. How they link together. Um, yeah, thank you I, as my co-host for I'm sorry. You, okay, first off, you sprung this on me without talking about it beforehand. Uh, second yeah. of all, I don't know where the, the link between Andre and The Rock goes. They're uh, both legends in wrestling. Okay, okay. I, I, thesis, got it. Okay, got I was, it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like toss it off. I just, I was completely like, where is this going? Uh, right. did, did The Rock... Uh, 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 he endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala okay. Harris. Yes. I did not see that at all, so I also okay. didn't have that context. I was missing. Yep. Uh, very good. I'm, you know, glad for him. I was worried because he's a generally a Republican. Yeah, uh, generally, but good for him. Like yep. that's awesome. Uh, yep. Hopefully, people listen to him. I don't know if people will. I think if you're made up for Trump, you're not going to switch sides. And I don't. Uh, and I think if you if you're not uh, if you're not decided what happened right yeah no i was having this conversation with a lot of people earlier this week that politically in america i don't understand how people can sit on the fence anymore it has been too much that's happened in the last four years to not have your mind made up so yeah yeah definitely uh after the rock the may he rip the gates of democracy off of its hinges and install them or no let's let me rephrase that May he rip the gates of fascism off of this country and install them on the uh, gated community of democracy yep. uh, where they belong. Yep. I think that works. And, uh, and keep on with the Fast and Furious movies. They're Exactly. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're very good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, G1? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the G1's great. Yeah, we uh, so we talked a little bit about the first two nights uh, last week. I had not seen the second night. Uh, I will say that Yano is having a breakout year as always. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you froze a bit. I think my internet was unstable for a second. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, Yano's having a, a breakout year. Uh, what do you think are the most interesting stories? like that are starting up for based on the first uh, four nights of action? I think that the most interesting stories for the G1 um, is that I, I can't, I don't have a frame of reference for like every other G1 in terms of it, there, there's very much a bipolar stance in the rankings of like, I think half of a block is undefeated and half of a block has not won a match. Right. Um, which it feels very unusual. And I think B-Block is more balanced in terms of who's won and who's lost. 
Um, I think Naito uh, proving to be a fighting winning champion is number one. Um, because if, if the, if the world champion lost every match, then it, it would dilute the, the image of the titles and the importance of them. So Naito having amazing matches with Tanahashi and, um, fuck now blanket. Oh, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Um, it elevated all three of them because Naito's champ. Tanahashi is in the twilight of his career, but he can still go and can still do like, he can get the most out of 30 minutes this side of Okada. Yeah. And Zack Sabre is, he's such a B in wrestling, not because he's never going to be better, but because he's so good technically that he still doesn't connect with crowds unless he's torturing people that along his way to crystallizing whatever his character is that hopefully gets further than like Dean Malenko, very good at wrestling. um, Naito elevates him. So Naito number one. Yeah. Um, I would say number two is Godo's a fucking machine again. Um, the G and G one yeah. stands for yeah. Godo. No one can beat him. Um, tai Chi is having a fucking breakout. That's like the most interesting thing to me. He, he beat his faction leader, uh, Minoru yep. Suzuki. And did everything that you would expect somebody in Suzuki Goon to do against their opponent in the G one, but it was Suzuki. So it meant more. Yeah. And also Suzuki was doing the same shit that you would expect him to do. And yep. it just, just came out on top, which is a, it could be a passing of the torch kind of thing. We'll see how he turns out at the end of the like tournament. Yeah. And number four is um, King Switch. He is back. He is yep. undefeated. He is doing everything. Like the most interesting thing to me about Bullet Club is that since their inception, they cheat. That's yep. what they do. And every fucking face who comes out to face them without a second is a goddamn idiot. <laughs> yeah. So Kota Ibushi lost to Jay White because he didn't have a second. Jay White lost, uh, beat Shingo because Shingo didn't have a second. Yeah. Guys, read the room. Yeah. I mean, LIJ is a very, like, you will fight your own fight kind of faction, so I get that. Yeah. But, and I don't know why Tanahashi wasn't in Ibushi's corner. I guess he was just too busy resting up his old-ass muscles for his matches in the next uh, show. Uh, but yeah. He had to be, yeah. It seems like it's weird because like both uh, blocks have like a three-way tie currently at four points. Um, just looking at what what's going on as of you know, I didn't watch today's show, so A block is probably different right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's weird to see that like uh, the Yano, Taichi, Osprey, White, and uh, what was it you know Osprey White and Juice Robinson are all the the four-point guys right now. And they're not the guys you would expect at all, except for Osprey. But fuck them. We're not going to talk about him no. further. Uh, exactly. Um, he had a good match with Ishii. And, like, I like Osprey in the G1 now because I want to see people beat the shit out of him. And Ishii mm-hmm. did that. Um, Fair. But, yeah, Juice beat Kenta. Yeah. Yeah, Kenta, a lot of people who you would expect to be favorites are not doing uh, as well as you would expect. And that's very interesting. But that's always the way of these things. Uh, yeah. I'm liking Jay White being a real piece of shit. Yeah, as always, he used COVID to um, not. Where's the? I got this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mute, and I will play this. But actually, no. Let's let's play a clip of this one. Uh, yeah.
He's trying to get the crowd to chant, but they can't because they're not allowed to due to COVID. And yeah. he spends like, he wastes like three minutes doing this. Yep. Just this part of the match. And then he oh, gets his ass kicked, but also and, comes away with the match. Cause like you said, uh, Bushi does not have any help. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking for me as an Ibushi fan. And I used to be like an Ibushi stand and I'm not anymore. And here's why he's an arena wrestler. Mm. Um, when you take the crowd out of it, there was sequences in the matches where Abushi, because this is what he's good at, would stand in front of Jay White, get hit, and just stand in front of him because he's really tough. Yeah. But no one could react. Like, it, clapping is not the same thing as, like, roaring and cheering and trying to get behind your dude. So Abushi's lost in the pandemic, and that sucks. Yeah. So I don't think that Abushi's going to win the G1. I don't think he was slotted to this year anyway, just based on how they're writing things. And because he won last year, so I can't imagine he'd win twice in a row. No, but it sucks. His matches have no heat anymore. Like, yeah. he wrestled Okada, and people reacted because Okada is the best wrestler in New Japan. But Ibushi's lost, and that sucks. Because he knows how to do what he does well, very well, but he doesn't adapt. Um, I feel like Ibushi now is the weakest half of the Golden Lovers. He's the reason, like, he, his style is the reason he was the loser in the double challenge at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and it, it's disappointing. It's not the end of anything but his push, but I wish I was seeing him be better. Yeah, I mean, it's never over. Like, I mean, we saw with Naito. It's kind of too bad yeah. because, like, last year was, or this this Wrestle Kingdom, this past yeah. year, probably their absolute last chance to give Naito his moment. Yep. And it kind of came at the expense of Ibushi, who, like, jobbed out the first night of Wrestle Kingdom and then had, like, a nothing match with Jay White. Uh, it's really diminishing returns on that pairing yeah. uh, compared to the G1 finals last year. But, yeah. I mean, it's never over. He can always – he's an immensely talented wrestler. Maybe next year will be his year. doesn't seem like uh, this year will be it. It's interesting that, to me that, like, Sonata is also struggling uh, so far. Pirate boy struggling? Yeah, I know. He shaved the pirate boy. He here's the he thing. Did. Here's he the did. observation I had about Sonata. Uh, now that he's shaved the beard and cut his hair uh, from a distance, if you the camera's like a mid distance, uh, he looks like a buffer Yoshihashi, and that yep. is not a good sign for his because you can't. He's too handsome. He's too handsome to get emotionally invested in the way you can with Yoshihashi. That's true. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the evil Yoshihashi match? Finally, Yoshihashi is someone who isn't just a lovable loser. Yeah. I was rooting so hard for him to beat evil because that would make more of an interesting wrinkle on evil of just like his evil deeds, haha, literally catching up with him. Yeah. And also yeah. someone figuring out Bullet Club of Yoshihashi not having a second, but using his fucking staff. Yeah. Like, Rocky Romero it. called it out on commentary. He's like, I've never seen him use it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't listen to the English commentary. Uh, yeah, but it was also a good callback to the New Japan Cup where uh, Yoshihashi was injured and they wrote him out by having Evil squash him for two minutes. And, like, right. The sharpshooter and, like, a, some slams or whatever. And, again, like, we've talked about this on, I don't know how many different WrestleDown episodes, if not offline, for any number of times. When you write wrestling and call back to it and keep it as not a perfect straight line narrative, but use logical callbacks so that Yoshihashi, he thought he was going to have a knee injury that was going to keep him out for months and didn't. But the person who could have made that potential injury a real injury was evil. So he started the match by kicking his ass. Yep. He came into the ring and 
I love I love that whole match. That was my favorite match of the the tournament so far. It's just a perfect uh perfect booking of a wrestler knowing Bullet Club's like uh tricks and then having something to counter them all right up until the last moment where a low blow got him uh, out of the match and he lost. But like it's the most over Yoshihashi is going to be with the best story he's going to have. And yes, honestly, maybe one of the best uh, evil like matches in terms of like emotional investment that you're going to get. I love that you said that because my favorite match in the G1 so far has been Zack Sabre versus evil because the immediate assumption, which is why I get like almost every week I just bow down at the, like the, the admiring altar of Gato you assume because evil was the last world champion that he would just come in and wreck whoever he would fight first. And he fucking lost to Zack Sabre. Yep. And he lost yeah. to Zack Sabre because Zack Sabre's a better technical wrestler. And to your point about emotional investment, the crowd was fucking quiet until the last three minutes. And then they were just like, Oh, Zack Sabre's going to beat Zack Sabre's yeah. going to beat Zack Sabre beat him. And then yeah. like, that's the point. Yeah. It was another uh, good example of uh, evil being a face or no, sorry. Someone being a face against evil. Like Zack Sabre, I think I had a conversation with my friend Alicia uh, who was like, are they going to turn Zack Sabre Jr. face? And I was like, I don't know, man. It could go either way. His next match was with Naito. And I was yep. like, well, that's two guys who can be lovable assholes and not move up and down the card or along the, the heel face spectrum yep. uh, without it. Uh, right. But I think, like, I would say that um, Evil and ZSJ are having the best tournaments so far. Yeah. With Yoshihashi, of course. Uh, and Yano being in their own category. Now, I, I'll get. I want to get to Yano in a second because I love him too. But this is again one of the things that we talked about this last week that we were hoping there'd be more English commentary with the G1 recordings. Mm-hmm. So because the episode with Yoshihashi versus Evil had English commentary, this is why it's so important to have like logical people talking about the matches in that in context. Rocky Romero also said. I'll, I'll throw this to you as just a no-pressure question. What do you think, career-wise, Yoshihashi's G1 record is? Out of would, 28 matches. Out of 28 matches? Um, how his? I would guess that his record would be the number of G1 tournaments he's participated in minus two, whatever that turns out to be. You're exactly right. It's eight and twenty. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "There's got to be some years where he got no wins." Yeah. But also, he for all the others, he never would have averaged more than one win, which right. is about right for him. So, first of all, a plus guessing. Second <laughs> of all, your homeboy Yoshihashi. He he's built to lose, but this was the closest match in all of the tournament matches he's booked in to win, and he lost. And yeah. it's the genius of his character. Yeah, I, uh, it's like you don't, you shouldn't win. You really shouldn't, but like you want him to, and he's just sympathetic, especially in this context where evil, like he has a pre-existing grudge with evil, yeah. both because of the injury thing, but also because he's holding the title that evil never really lost. Right. Just abdicated it. Um, he's wearing that fucking title. I I like to imagine Yoshihashi was backstage. Was like, I'm gonna wear the the never open weight six man title around my waist for my match with Evil. Just like fuck you. You had two titles. Now I have more titles than you. And then his music hit, and he was like, Oh shit, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Big Togo. 
Dick Togo was watching in his like crisp white suit, oh, just like no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Dick Togo, the spoiler. Uh, it's a te- see, and that's the difference between bad gimmick names that make the character better. Like T Bar hurts Donovan Dijakovic. The spoiler makes Dick Togo so shitty. Yeah, in the best way. He's got his fucking Triple H two thousands reverse biker hat. Yeah. His stupid sunglasses. He does not wear a shirt under his white blazer, so nope. it's just his buff old man titties popping out. Yep. He's car- oh. he's carrying a garret like around to choke people with. No one's doing anything about it. It's no. so good. And again, that's the genius of Bullet Club is yeah. that again, like when it when Naito took the title back from Evil, it's because he asked Bushi and Sonata to help. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> yeah. He was always better than evil. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, it's so, and like the only time they dismissed members from the Bullet Club from ringside is if they've got more than one person. And otherwise, yeah. you know, it's good. It's good booking. It's a great tournament so far. Uh, can't wait to watch this, the today's show. Yeah. And I mean, match times aren't super important unless it like informs the story being told. But Yano's undefeated, as at least as far as you and I have been watching for the B yeah. Block. How and like he beat Tanahashi in eight minutes. He, he beat, beat Tanahashi in eight minutes, blindfolded at the end. That is one of the best, like intentional phrasing, visual I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for those who didn't watch, uh, Tanahashi tried to turn the tables on Yano's plan to tape his wrists together or tape his feet together by taping his eyes closed just around his head. And Yano still fucking out-wrestled him. Yeah, because uh, Toru Yano is the king of pro-wrestling, everyone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, if this doesn't set up a blindfold match at some point. Uh, maybe we don't need to see that, but I think they would be making it very good. Um, I'm convinced at this point that there's no match in New Japan Pro Wrestling that Toriano can have that's bad. It's yeah. impossible. No. He, his matches are the, the best length. Like, they're always under 10 minutes. Uh, they're always fun as shit. They're so creative in a way that uh, New Japan doesn't really do, so he's very unique. And yep. he's very skilled, like, in the ring. So it's not like he's just some guy who, like, wrote some creative shit that, you know, distracts from what other people are doing. Right, and to that point specifically, so they do the trope that they do with a lot of Yano matches, especially in the G1 where he tries to beat someone by count-up. So he lowered Tanahashi up the ramp, which is very long, logically, so it makes sense. It would take a long time to get from up the ramp to down the ramp. Yep. They both beat it in, I think, Yano by 15, Tanahashi by 18. Yep. As soon as Tanahashi gets onto his feet, Yano does, and this is picture-perfect collegiate wrestling, which the, the announcers again say Yano was an accomplished collegiate wrestler, like fucking Brock Lesnar. As soon as Tanahashi's upright, he does a single leg, takes him down, and has him in a pin. Yep. He's a good fucking wrestler. He's a great wrestler uh, who happens to excel at comedy, which is, yeah. it, it's like having two skills. It's, you know, that makes you way more valuable than someone who's, say, great at one, which, I mean... Ibushi's the better wrestler, of course, but yeah. like if he was better at comedy and less than being a straight man, he maybe would have a King of DDT tournament title uh, in his hands right now. So much of me, this isn't going to happen, but my imagination loves to run wild. So much of me wants Ibushi to keep losing in the G1 
look at Yano and be like, I know what I need and come out with his blow up doll as a second. <laughs> uh, Yoshihiko as a DDT exclusive talent. Uh, so, I mean, unless sometimes if she did have a match with Joey Janela stateside, uh, but otherwise generally DDT. Uh, right. But yeah. Uh, anything you want to add about the G1? I think I'm, I'm tapped out of things. I had, um, observations I had. Yeah. Juice Robinson looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. The, on, the blue, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The Blues Brother aesthetic doesn't work. I love him. Um, there's a difference between taking chances and knowing that they don't work and then changing and it being seen as failure versus adapting. It, it needs to change very fast. Yeah, he's got this weird um, Blues Brothers or maybe uh, John Travolta and Pulp Fiction kind of look with like yeah. black slacks, white shirt, white tank top, really. Yeah. Uh, Kind of coming down the ring with it. I would be fine with all of that if the pants didn't have glitter on it. The sequence like hurt. It's a weird stripper outfit. Yeah, is what it is. If it was like if he was wrestling in something more wrestling like, uh, or even one of his old colorful outfits when he was just like a weird Elton John loving like weirdo. Yeah, uh, you know, like a Elton John tribute act. Uh, yeah. it it fit better. Right now he's he's it's like he's trying to be tough, but learned how to be tough from musicals, and it's yep. just weird. <laughs> he's, he's he's a jet when you're a jet, or he's a whichever one you're a, a one of for life. I think when you're a jet, you're a jet for life. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, and it, it's funny because as bad as he is with consistency, be, purposely because of his costuming and how it can't work out, Shingo is still the best. He comes out with his giant fucking dragon garb and he takes it off and he looks like a badass yep. jeff cobb doesn't have a costume he's just jeff cobb <laughs> yeah well he <laughs> i mean he could imagine if he came out as matanza for one one match don't, not don't not like the last that. match or anything just like match four out of eight or nine or whatever he has imagine that with dario cueto as his second oh that would be amazing and it's a he, wrestling match. <laughs> Ring the bell. Um, <laughs> my Dario impression is my same as my Vince McMahon impression, and I'm not going to change the bell. it. Yeah, you're fired, Bell. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That was a. Uh, it's a. It's shaping up to be a great G one so, so far, and I am amped for what's next. Uh, yeah. I, I say we're good to wrap this one up uh, with our recommendations for the week. Yep. Uh, I yep. What do you want to recommend? Um, I want to recommend to people the Kimberly, uh, Kimberly and um, Gianna Perrazzo versus uh, Smiley Kylie and Susie match because it's an excellent wrestling match and more people should be watching Impact right now. Um, yeah. I want to recommend that and I want to recommend the Yoshihashi versus Evil G1 match because it's your favorite match in the G1. It's my second favorite. Yeah, definitely. I agree with those. Uh, I will throw the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix Finals into my recommendation. It's a great like sub three hour show. It's all block matches that have stakes and well, they don't always have stakes because some people are eliminated by points, but a lot of great matches with a great variety. Uh, there's a Julia um, death Yamasan match. That's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon come to life. Yeah. It's delightful because Julia has some plans on how she's going to beat this crazy character and they don't always work out. They always kind of blow up in her face. Uh, yep non-literally in this case. And there's 
three great matches in the like final the block finals and the finals of the actual tournament uh just a plus work from everybody i'm excited for what's coming next next for stardom i think today or tonight is going to be the match where the tokyo cyber squad might be disbanded i'm hoping that doesn't happen we'll see next week uh i am jerry palapal uh twitter.com swing dingling also twitch.tv slash swing dingling Yes, sir. I am Dennis Bruno, otherwise known as Mike Mann, one half of the voice of QAW. We're moving to 2MB Studios this Thursday at 10 o'clock following the season finale of Mind Over Manor. Go ahead and follow us twitch.tv forward slash quarantine action wrestling, as it says there on the box. And uh, check me out, dbruno42 on Instagram, at SenseiDennyB on Twitter. Yeah, right. Uh, thanks for listening up to the rescue. That's not the name of our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening up to the bar rescue meltdown. <laughs> Shut it down. This is John Taffer. Shut it down. <laughs> you heard the man. We're shutting it down. Thanks for listening up to the wrestle down. Bye. <laughs>